0: stand today just for fun while we're reading. 2 Timothy 2, 1-7. Um, and I'll, I'll let you know up front, I, I kind of am hoping this will be a different type of a message. You did get a handout. It does have all my notes. It's got six points instead of three and all sorts of stuff. But uh, I want I want a little more response today. And so I'm warning you now as we go into the scripture I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to give some response. I'm gonna ask some questions about how God works or has worked in your life, and I'd like us to encourage one another with the good news. So let's um, let's be uh, tentative in our hearts. I'll read from Second Timothy two. It's one to six actually. <clears throat> you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you've heard from me, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's the hard working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Let's pray. God, thank you for this word. We ask that um, by the Holy Spirit you'd apply this word. Open it up to us, God. We want to know not just what it says and not just what it means, but what it means for us and how this living word might impact our lives and the lives of people around us. So God, speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. One of the reasons I want to do things a little bit differently this morning is because of the verse that I didn't read from Second uh, Timothy and the verse that I didn't read is verse 7. I'll read it from the real Bible. So 2 Timothy one seven. So after Paul gives these, uh, these exhortations and then these examples, these um, uh, principles, he says this. I don't think there's anywhere else where Paul says something quite like this. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Paul is basically saying, there's my deal, now think about this, reflect on it, meditate on it, and God will speak to you. So I thought it would be a little bit silly for me to spend all of my time telling you what I think God's saying, because Paul's instruction after this is, think about this, and God will speak to you. God will give you insight. So that's why this morning I'm going to ask for a little bit of insight from, uh, from you. So Jacqueline's going to be uh, with the microphone in a couple of times, I think. Um, you'll have an opportunity to share. So chapter 2 of 2 Timothy seems to be answering this question. Remember, the, the first chapter was all about uh, Paul giving his mission away to Timothy. He's in jail. Paul is. He thinks he's going to lose his life. He is. Timothy is the understudy, the beloved son in the faith, and he's getting this commission. And in essence, we're getting this commission to continue the mission of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And chapter 2 kind of answers the question, well, how would you do that faithfully? How would you guard the deposit? How would you keep to the sound teaching? How would you fan into flame the the gift that you've been given. How how would you live that out in the power of the Holy Spirit? What does faith and love look like in a life? And uh, I think that these couple of verses are Paul's answer to that. So the first thing that we see is uh, in order for this life to be lived out and for us to carry on the mission, we'll have to be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus. That's the phrase Paul uses. Be strengthened It's a passive word. Did you realize that? It it doesn't say, get yourself strong. It doesn't say lift weights. It doesn't say, take bee pollen or whatever. (laughs) I dated myself. That's what we did back in the 80s when I was getting huge. It's like a joke. Thanks for being with me. It's a passive word, meaning you have to be the receptor of strength. So Paul says this, be strengthened in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. So the first question I want to ask, Jacqueline, you can uh, go on your way now. The first question I want to ask is very personally, <laughs> you're released. <laughs> okay,
1: I need a person.
0: <laughs> very, very personally and very briefly, how are you strengthened by grace? Like what does that look like in your life? What's your practice to be strengthened in grace? Grace as for a definition, is the favor of God, the power and the love of God in places and in times and in ways that we don't deserve it. And Paul says that we'll be strengthened by the grace that's in Jesus. So how do you receive grace from Jesus in your own life? And this is where I'll ask you to raise your hand so we can come to you and, and you can encourage us.
2: worshiping and staying in the presence?
0: Just give another sentence. How does worshiping connect you to the grace of Jesus?
2: Oh, I don't know. It's okay. It does. I'm not sure. Okay.
0: It's good enough. I don't know. That's, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that works. How else? Who else? How are you strengthened by the grace that's in Jesus? This, I mean, what, what works in your life? What empowers you? Oh, sorry.
1: For me, anyway, it's been when I mess up in the last 20 years, pretty much, until the last six months, is every time I messed up, you know I didn't know it, but it was okay. Yeah. His grace was there to see me through and lift me up and build me for the second or third or fourth chance that yeah. I'm allowed to endure and go through.
0: Yeah, that's and have. Great. That's great. So, Mike, I'm what I'm hearing there is you, you, you believed grace. You actually believed. You lived it. You lived it. That's great, Ron.
2: Uh, for me, it kind of feels like winning the prize or receiving a trophy. Okay, now go out and run the race.
0: So activity. For, for you, uh, being strengthened by grace is when you actually do what God's called you to do. That's good. Oscar. I'm, I have not forgotten you. <laughs> I I I um, humbly expect something from the other side here. For me,
2: it's just that the unmerited favor of someone, the one that's so high, so great, is giving this to me. It says he cares about me. In other words, I'm worth his sacrifice, his greatest. I'm worth it. Yeah. And that just encourages me. Yeah, that's great.
1: I found a ton of power in personalizing scripture over myself. So whether it's Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, just owning that and saying, I am your shepherd, baby, and just going in that.
0: So, Julie, you let God speak to you the words that he's given, and you make them very personal. That's great. Marilyn, and I'm going to have room for two or three over here, so be bold. Mine is with every time I ask the Lord to give me the power of prayer and I pray a prayer, it actually happens. Mm which makes me strong when I feel weak, yeah. and it gives me strength and hope. Yeah. And then, do you keep a record of those things that God does? I do, but I don't keep it in paper, I keep it in my heart. Yeah. But the, the point is, you, you, keep, you, you remember that God has answered. So when you feel weak, there's a sense of, well, I remember when God acted before, by His grace, He can do it again. That's great. Sure.
1: Um, I think just sometimes it means that I need to stop running around doing things and, like, settle my heart and just be with him. Like, instead of running around trying to accomplish tasks, which seem logical, sometimes I need to just, like, stop and just be with him. Yeah,
0: that's really good. Uh, God was the originator of the phrase, don't just do something, sit there.
1: (laughs) I I think when... uh when I try and run, if I've got a big backpack on my back, it's not very easy. So grace allows me to take that thing that's full of sin and shame and all the weight of those things, throw that off, and then run.
0: Yeah. So I'll, pre- I'll pick on you, Jeff. What does it look like? What's that prayer sound like? I mean, if you're actually going to be strengthened by grace, you gave us the concept. What does it look like in practice?
1: One I'm... One of my favorite verses and favorite prayers is, um, now I've forgotten where the what the reference is, but, it, but it's when he says um, that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. Yeah. So I have this prayer where I kind of point my finger at God and say, you said, <laughs> this was bad, but you said... <laughs> And then, I, and then I have practiced, like, even, like, I may, I may not, after praying that prayer, I may not feel like I'm forgiven, yeah. but I choose to believe in his grace that he's given me That's great. And, and then move on. That's so, great.
0: It's a transaction. You, you yeah. actually make a t- transaction in prayer, God, here's my sin, I receive your forgiveness. Yeah. it's great. 1 John 1, 9. Just if you want it.:
1: uh, His grace for me is that nothing could ever separate me
0: from the love that he has for me. Yeah, Keith is a lover. <laughs> Anybody else? feel like you must share Linda. last one.
1: I think of God's grace is um, that one verse. It's, he says, my grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Okay. When I am weak, uh, he is strong. And I, I think besides the grace of you know forgiving us for our sins, I see him giving me grace just to live each day um, in the way that he wants me to live and right. to be able to do the things that he wants me to do with his grace and strength,
0: not my own. That's great, Linda. So grace is not just about not getting punished. It's actually about acting in freedom, what God's given you to do. I'm not just trying to show off, but for your help, I think that's 2 Corinthians 12.9. All right, great. Thank you. Now, um, I'm going to ask David for both first and second service to put all this out there on the interweb for the entire world to learn from. So you might be interested to go back and listen to the second service. What do you hear from this? I just wanted to make it practical. Paul says, if you're going to live this life and you're going to fulfill this mission, you'll have to be strengthened by the grace that's in Jesus. It's about intimacy with Jesus. It's about yielding your life to another's power. And for control freaks, such as most of the Western Hemisphere, right, it is really difficult to yield ourselves to another's power. But walking in grace is all about God's power, not yours. And that's kind of a theme that went through. We let him do it. And that's beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for uh, taking care of that point. I don't need to say anything else about it. Second thing that Paul says is this, the things that you've heard from me in the presence of a a bunch of witnesses, these things, we talked about these things, the gospel last week, entrust them to other people. Entrust them to faithful people. The ESV says man, Uh, the NLT says people. It's all people, it's not just men, these things entrust to faithful people who will turn around and teach others also. This part of this verse is, the, is sort of the core, Paul's core teaching on discipleship. Not, not all of the content of discipleship and not all of the methodology of discipleship, but the relational crux of this discipleship. Paul just says this, here's how the mission will go forth until jesus comes back the things you heard from me i want you to take in to model to teach and to give away to another person who will be able to take those things in model them and teach them and give them away to another person who will be able to take those things in you get where i'm going and it's exponential in growth this verse is a big reason why we at the vineyard in the next year or so are are talking about and making a focus on building a discipling culture because we want, I mean collectively, want to learn how to receive from God. That's great, but we want to learn how to give it away. So uh, I'm going to show you a little clip, uh, a video clip of the guy that gave things away to me when I was 20 years old. So to set this up, uh, this man's name is Roger Hershey. And Roger works for Campus Crusade for Christ. He has for the last 35 years. Um, This uh, clip was taken just a couple of years ago. Um, I met Roger in 1982 at Miami University in Ohio. And two years after that, so the last two years of my college career, Roger met with me every single week, and he discipled me. He modeled the life of Jesus. He taught me what Jesus had taught him and then he took me into the world to give it away to other people. You would not believe how much of what you hear from me on an annual basis came from Roger Hershey. Some exact phrases. I actually, um, we call call him Hirsch. Hirsch moved back to Indianapolis a year ago. He actually works in the building next door to us. He works a hundred yards from here. So we had dinner the other night. We're going to have lunch again next week. Um, Hirsch was speaking at the fall retreat at IU that my son Johnny went to three months ago. And there's a picture of Hirsch and Johnny, the guy who discipled me, now discipling, well, at least pouring into my son. And I just thought, I actually asked Hirsch, would you come and speak on discipleship? I mean, he's famous for this. He speaks around the country. And the reason he couldn't be here this morning is because He speaks around the country. (laughs) He's not in the state. But I thought it might be fun for me and sort of as an honor to the person who discipled me first that you might hear a little bit from Roger Hershey. So this is what it looks like to teach and
2: to model. This is a picture of discipleship. Now, here's what I'm saying. God can delight in us and grieve over us at the same time. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing because you and I have difficulty doing that humanly, right? If someone offends me and hurts me, it's hard for me to feel happy toward them and delightful and not angry. God can delight in us and grieve, apparently, at the same time. The prodigal son is a great illustration of it. You know the story well. You've been taught it many times. No matter how, in spite of the prodigal's sin, the father delights that he's coming home. I'll give you an illustration of this from my experience most recently at Penn State. I had a guy, a disciple named Evan. Um... Came to Christ with me in the Lambda Kai fraternity house. And he had an alcohol problem. Drinking problem. Biggest drinker in the house. And, uh, but he didn't know he had an alcohol problem. And his senior year, first semester of senior year, he lived in my basement. We had an apartment down in the basement. And he lived there. Uh, and he was growing. And his life was changing. But he still, he, his parents were both alcoholics. So he, he was an alcoholic, but he didn't know it. Hadn't come to grips with it. So he lives in my basement. Well, next door neighbor is Frank and Rebecca, my atheist neighbors, who I've been trying to reach out to ever since we moved there, right? tried to have them over for dinner, and the first response out of Rebecca's mouth was when I invited them over for dinner, oh, that'd be interesting, the pagans versus the Christians. Like, Whoa. So I'm praying for them, trying to have a ministry, but I blew it, my wife backed into the car, strike one. I over-aggressively over- trimmed the bushes that bordered our property, and she got really upset with me, strike two. Here was strike three with my atheist neighbors. Evan goes out one night, his high school buddies come back uh, to hang out with him, and, and they say, hey, let's go out, let's do, do, just, just hop around to a few bars. Well, Evan should have known better that as an alcoholic, that's just not the place to hang out with your friends. But he gave in. He went with his buddies, got thoroughly hammered, came home three in the morning, really drunk. And uh, he comes in to the house, and our neighbor's house is just like ours. And he usually comes around the back to the basement door entrance. And our neighbors have a back door basement entrance. You see where I'm going with this, right? So Evan, totally drunk, wanders down around the back and goes into the neighbor's house. Stumbles up the stairs. Well, my neighbor is not only an atheist, but he likes guns. Anyway, so he gets to the top of the stairs and my neighbor's here. My neighbor gets out of bed. He's got his rifle in his hand and he yells out to Evan. He didn't, they didn't know who Evan was. They yell to him, get on your knees. And Evan falls to his knees and says, don't shoot, I'm a Christian. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a Christian and I'm wasted in your house and I just broke in. Isn't that great? Well, that was a time of brokenness in Evan's life. He got thrown into prison. That night he came back to the place and he laid in bed all morning until 3 in the afternoon and didn't get up and watch the game because he felt so much shame. We talked after he finally got out of bed, and Evan said, Hirsch, I feel so ashamed. You let me stay in your house. I can't believe I did this. On and on, sharing how he felt about his what he did. You know what? I put my arms around him. I said, bro, I love you. You're my son in the faith. I'm committed to you. And yes, you made a poor decision. That was foolish to go bar helping with your alcohol problem. Yes, you did make a mistake. It's wrong, and you're going to have to make amends with a neighbor. But you know what? I said, Evan, I love you. I'm committed to you. I want to walk through this with you. I want to dive in with you and help you deal with this alcohol problem and walk through it. Now, here's the thing. Was I angry with him? Was I mad? Did I feel sadness? Was I grieved? Yeah, because of his testimony, our testimony our neighbor's. The glory of God, the pain he brought to himself. He ended up going to prison for a week, and then he had uh, two weeks, and then rehabilitation. I was grieved, but I was not disappointed and angry. I love him. I believe in him. And I tell him that as I continue, I said, Evan, I believe in you. You walk with Jesus. You get an AIA, uh, AA. You're not AIA. Can't <laughs> <Yeah>, do that. <laughs> and the Lord's going to help you deal with this. And he is. And he's growing. And he's an AA, and he's maturing, and he's growing. And it's wonderful. And by the way, the side note of the story, since then, both Frank and Rebecca have come to Christ. My next door neighbors. That's another story.
0: Probably hundreds of Evans. I I was one of them. You can turn some lights on back there. Uh, Hundreds and hundreds when, when I was 21, I traveled with him to Pennsylvania to talk to some of the churches that supported him. When I was 21, this is 1980-something, way back, right? When I was 21, I remember walking into Hirsch's basement, and he had a world map on the wall. And there were pins and dots all over the world map. I said, Hirsch, what the heck is this? He said, those are, those are all the people I've discipled. That's 30 years ago. Those are all the people I've discipled. This is what they're, this is them taking the gospel to the world. When Jane and I went to Austria to work with refugees, my picture it looked a little different than this, and we went up as a dot on his map. I can't imagine what the map looks like now. Here's my point we're not all going to be super disciplers like Roger Hershey. I, I would not call myself a super discipler, but because someone took the time to teach and model the gospel of Jesus, I mean, verse by verse, problem by problem, struggle by struggle, investing in my life, I, I got something. And, and it's a lot of what I give away to you. It's certainly what I gave away to my kids. It's certainly one of the reasons, Roger Hershey, one of the reasons that my kids are walking with God today. So I'm interested for you Who who did it for you? Maybe you just want to say their name. Who was it that taught you, Jacqueline? Can you? (laughs) Who was it that taught you? Give me, give us just a phrase or a or a a way or a time. Who was it? What did it look like for you? So anybody, let's start over on this side, because I think they're going to have a lot to say. (laughs) And and maybe it wasn't for two years. Maybe it for it was for a month. Maybe it for a season of your life. I just you know how did it happen for you, if it happened.
1: It's my best friend, Elaine, that just was my friend. And she knew the word and she didn't mess around letting me go off on tangents. Mm.
0: She kept you accountable. But she only told you what you wanted to hear, right?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. Great. Praise God for Elaine. Lisa.
2: While uh, Lynn was worshiping this morning, um, that's actually what God started talking to me about, was just, there was like six different people that he's put into my life, and he just kind of had me walking through, I don't know, I was just praying through it for with each one of them, but if I would not be who I am or where I am, if it weren't for these six, then there's probably ten more, but yeah. these are, were, it was just... It's just funny that you're bringing it up, because that's exactly what he walked me through, and it's just amazing. I don't know. Just love him and wouldn't be where I am.
0: So for those of you who don't know, uh, Lynn Power and some of her friends come in 6 a.m. every Sunday morning, and they worship here, and they minister to God. And um, you're welcome to be a part of that time. That goes for about an hour and a half. They just minister to God. It's one of the reasons that when you walk into this place, you sense the the power and the presence of God because he's hanging out here because he's being ministered to. And um, thank you for doing that, Lynn, and for all the people that are with you. Thank you, Lisa. Any, who else? Oh, Lynn, Lynn her own self.
1: And then there were...
2: No, I was not my own discipler. Um, uh, I had a coach um, coming out of... Um, College. I got to play with athletes in action.
0: That's the AIA. That was was the AIA. So I was laughing about that. Not AIA. AIA. Athletes in action.
2: And she just poured into my life. And the cool thing was, I lived in, you know, for you come from all over for athletes in action, so it's all over the country. And she was in Michigan. We lived in California, and just through the years, she continued to pour in my life. And then when we got married and had kids, we moved out here. And like I said, she was in Michigan. So it was so neat to see that she was even closer. And we still, um, she actually lives in Indiana now and just continues. She had a huge, huge uh, impact on my life.
0: Wow. That's great.
2: Husband Ron. Growing up in a small church out in California, we had a missionary couple, Dan and Lucille Carr. They were actually retired missionaries to China back... um, right before China was closed to missionaries and the two of them were two of the strongest people I ever knew, but Dan um he had he didn't have real strong legs, he walked on crutches and probably about the happiest person you'd ever meet and just like just going to church every Sunday, always had a smile on his face, always had encouragement. And the two of them were probably about, had about the best knowledge of, of Scripture and just strong people. Mm. Wow, that's great. Marilyn? Uh, mine
0: was my grandmother. Mm. Uh, by taking me to church every Sunday and showing me things that you should do as a Christian. So right. it was my grandmother. It's a wild guess, but I bet she was an intercessor. hmm Yeah. <laughs> Wonder where you got that.
2: <laughs> Jane. When I was in high school, um a young adult from our church just invited me to come over once a week and um hang out with her and read the Bible with her and just kinda of shared her life with me. So that's that's great. One more. Mary Lou.
1: Uh, the person that discipled me was my late husband. Mm. Um, you know, I was not a believer when we got married. I thought I was. And, you know, after about six or seven years, you know, you just realize uh, different priorities. And so he's the one who bought me my first Bible on wow. Valentine's Day. Wow. Best gift I ever got. <laughs> and And also, you know, I could just see how he lived the word and how he invited me in you know to ministry with him you know whether it was ministering to the poor or going on a mission trip or just seeing how he treated people visited people in the hospital i didn't grow up with any of that and so
0: um you know i just thank god yeah. for him <laughs> that's great praise god for tim beeson that's beautiful it's so it's interesting okay i'm not saying it can't happen because i i know where god's you know taken a person and instructed them sort of one on one but we didn't hear that right We didn't hear, I went into my closet all by myself, and then, boom, I became mature. What we heard were the names of real people. Real people with real issues, and real problems, and real difficulties, and real weaknesses. But the power of God went through them because they just said, you know what? I'll do it. I'll be your friend, Judy. I'll keep you on track. I'll tell you the truth. I'll meet with you once a week. I mean, that... that, we can make discipleship so complicated, you know, because we sometimes feel, I don't know what to do. And what I'm saying is so many of us have experienced discipleship because someone said, I, in my weakness, will give a portion of my life to you. It's not just tap on the shoulder, here's a book. It's the, I, personally, that would be easier. <laughs> we could all read our way to maturity. You don't see it in the Bible. It's, it's life on life. So the questions I'd ask you to consider this week, who did that for you? Maybe you feel like, you know what, I've never been discipled. I need it. Well, I'm going to ask you to be on the lookout. I, don't, I, don't, I can't line the people up for you. I can't be the matchmaker, but I'm going to pray that God will give you boldness to say, you know what, I need to know more. Would you help me? We'll do whatever we can to help you. That's why we're building a culture of discipleship. We're working towards right now building transferable tools that we can give to you all to encourage one another. Just life on life, modeling and teaching. Doesn't mean you have to let them live in your basement, you know, but that may be for some of you. That's what discipleship looks like. There's one other thing that Paul says, and um, I probably won't ask to share on this one. We'll probably end here. And we won't ever get to the back page of my notes, which is okay. Paul says, so here's, here's the way I want you to, to commit to getting this gospel out, to carry on the mission of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll, um, you'll need to be strengthened by the grace that's in Jesus. You'll have to be intimate with Jesus. You'll have to be able to transact with Jesus and receive grace so you can walk in it. Two, you'll have to actually entrust what I've given to you to other people. You'll have to model it. You'll have to teach it. You know, Timothy was a timid guy. We know that from the rest of the scriptures. Paul's probably saying to Timothy, you'll have to get out of your house, walk down the street, and talk to people. Let them see your life. If you look in um, 1 Timothy 3, there's a whole description of Paul saying, you saw my life, Timothy. You saw my suffering. You saw my endurance. You, you saw my faith. Paul could say that because they'd hung out together. Paul discipled Timothy. He just says, Timothy, you've got to do the same thing. He, he adds one more thing, and I, I kind of wish it wasn't there. If I could edit the Bible, I would edit this out. But I can't. And so Paul says, oh yeah, and share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. Share in suffering as a good soldier in Christ. What will it look like for us to live out faithfully the mission that's been given to us by God? We'll have to understand grace and live in it. We'll have to be life on life with people, make mistakes, take risks, be hurt, and and we'll have to share in suffering. And I won't read the scripture, but it's in your notes, Hebrews uh, 10, um, a big portion of Hebrews 10 and Hebrews 11. And what you see there is all of these people who went through all of these difficulties for the sake of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying you should go out and look for suffering, okay? You don't need to do that. What I am saying is it will likely come to you. And when it comes to you, there is a grace in accepting what God allows in your life. Don't take that a thousand wrong ways, okay? There is a grace to accepting what God allows in your life. I was looking for clips of Hirsch I had a, actually a great time this week just watching him speak again and hearing some of the same analogies from 30 years ago. And he's still using them with power. He's still the only guy I know who can look at a kid across the table in a university union and say, I'm sorry, but without Jesus, you're going to hell and smile. <laughs> and the guy somehow doesn't feel offended. <clears throat> in in, um, in one of the clips, Hirsch talks all about God showing him how his Strength and grace is perfected in Hirsch's weakness. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a beautiful clip. It's, it's all about, I, I don't have it all, I can't figure it all out. And a, and a part of Hirsch's suffering is having to be on stage in front of people with real weakness, with real difficulty, with sometimes uncertainty. Because he doesn't see himself the way God sees him all the time. You guys identify with that? Sometimes we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. So there's a grace to allowing God to be and do what he wants to be and do in our lives. It means suffering. Just because there's a difficulty in your life doesn't mean that the enemy is beating you up. Now, sin comes from the enemy. I understand that. But we've got to live in this tension. Even as a healing kingdom is here now, people... We've got to understand the not yet of the kingdom. And that's one of the reasons that we need to be strengthened by grace. And it's one of the reasons that we need to be connecting with other people in discipleship relationships. And it's one of the reasons that as believers, we can say, you know, with the Apostle John at the end of Revelation, come Lord Jesus. Because when he comes the next time, he takes care of all suffering. He wipes all pain and tears and shame away. But for now, there's going to be some suffering. Let, let's deal with that. Let's not look for it, but let's recognize that it's, come, that, that it's here. Which means we don't have to walk in and be okay with one another. We can be who we are with one another. It's one of the things I love about the vineyard is we have an authenticity. There's a gift on our church. We can walk in and say, I'm broken. Or I'm, in, I'm struggling. Or I'm in difficulty. Or you know what? I'm suffering but you don't have to do it alone. And that's one of the things I think that this, these radical, to groups, radical together groups are doing is they're bringing people together who can share not just the joy of their lives, but the suffering in their lives, right? So one leader sent me an email. He said, I'm really sorry. This is a very faithful person. I'm so sorry, Randy. I promise we'll get to chapter two next week. But this week, we just shared our stories of trouble and addiction and brokenness and suffering. And we cried together and we prayed together. You know what? He did a good job. That's what it's about. So I'm not uh, suffering isn't the highlight of this message. But suffering and persecution and difficulty comes along with carrying out the gospel. Just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not God's call in your life. And so I titled the message and I'll end it with this. Jesus never said it was going to be easy. He just said it would be worth it. Let's pray. I'm going to stand. God, thank you for teaching us this morning through one another. Thank you for all the people that have gone before, that have invested their lives in our lives. Thank you for grace that we walk in. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name, release among us the power of the Holy Spirit. Empower our wills. Give us grace to make good, holy choices. Teach us what it means to be strengthened by grace in Christ. To give away what we've been given to faithful people who will give it away more and more and more so the ends of the earth can hear about Jesus. And Lord, would you give us even grace in the midst of suffering. And don't let us do it alone. Help us to be the body. In Jesus' name, amen. You might want someone to pray. For-